Welcome to Boxed Wine and Biscuits, the podcast where we explore some of life's toughest challenges and discuss today's hottest topics with a sense of humor and a side of Southern hospitality. Here's your host, Mark. Alrighty, folks, welcome back to episode three of Boxed Wine and Biscuits. It feels like it has been a month of Sundays since we last chatted. And for those of you out there who know how long that is, it is a very long time. Then again, I guess we did really make it through the holidays. I hope everyone had a warm and and safe holiday season. We somehow celebrated a new year during a global pandemic, uh, even attempted to survive, or I guess we really did survive, an insurrection at the Capitol. Uh, And now we have inaugurated the 46th president of the United States. So when you put it that way, it really has been a month of Sundays, had a lot of things happening, but I'm glad to be back with you all. I'm sure you were wishing and wondering and waiting with bated breath if we were going to return, but we are back. Episode three, uh, welcome back. Let's get to today's episode. You know, there was just this one thing that I said I would never talk about on this podcast when when we started doing it. And here I am already three episodes in breaking my own rules. I promised you all very hard that when we started, I would never talk about diet and fitness. And that's mainly because I keep those two words out of my vocabulary because I am an abject failure at both. While I have long said that these are no-no words on this podcast, I figured with it being January, I could bring in an expert because it ain't me to talk about New Year's resolutions, fitness, and diet. I couldn't tell y'all the amount of gym memberships I have had over the years, and most of the time, those things really serve as keychain ornaments because I can promise you that swipe card is not getting used. I will also never forget the multiple times, I think it's two at this point, maybe three, that I've hired a personal trainer to really try and advance my fitness. And both times at least, and maybe a third, I'm, I'm trying to block one memory out, These personal trainers have subsequently caught me either entering or leaving the drive-thrus closest to the gym before and sometimes after the sessions. Needless to say, uh, that personal training journey did not go well. However, we are relaxing the rules on today's podcast, and I'm probably going to need to relax the button on these britches. And we're going to talk about New Year's resolutions, fitness and diet with one of my dear friends who has also had the privilege or unfortunate privilege, I guess you could say, of watching my unintentional weight gain journey. Again, I can't stress enough that I am not an expert, so I had to bring one in today, and I would love to introduce you all to Dr. Rachel Reed. Rachel is an exercise physiologist with a propensity for public health and behavior change. She has her PhD in kinesiology from the University of Georgia and completed a postdoc in exercise psychology. Shoo, I'm tired just saying those. After a brief stint on faculty at the University of Georgia, Rachel decided the fitness industry was where she wanted to be. She is currently the Global Director of Fitness Science for Orange Theory Fitness and has been extremely busy during these challenging times and is really proud of the work her team is doing. That is Rachel's professional bio or intro. Personally, I've had the pleasure of knowing Rachel for over 15 years as we met in college where we cheered together. Since then, Rachel has had the unfortunate privilege or duty or whatever you'd like to call it of watching my love for boxed wine, biscuits, and all things carbs outpace my metabolism. While we met in college, we've had the opportunity to travel together, take many a selfie together, even on the days of digital cameras, folks. Remember when you used to have to take pictures and wait and go upload them to your favorite Facebook album? We were there long before the iPhone, though I think Rachel had one of the first iPhones. But we really had the opportunity to travel through so many seasons of life together, and I am really excited to have her on today's show. 
So without further ado, let's get right into it. Welcome, Dr. Rachel Reed. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you, Mark. And I'm so excited to be here and talk to you today. And gosh, I just want to say thank you for such a warm welcome. And also, it's been such a privilege to be one of your besties. I'm calling myself one of your besties. I think that's right. But gosh, we have been through so many chapters of life together. And it's it's been amazing. And Mark, you're such an amazing supporter and friend. And anyways, I'm proud of you for the podcast. And I'm pumped to be here. So thank you. With that, uh, definitely want to get through some some tough challenges and some questions. That's what we're all about here at Box Fine and Biscuits. So we're going to get right into it. I am not good at science. I am very thankful for people who are. But we have to, you have to tell us, like, we're just going to get right into it. What led you into your job? All those words I just tried to pronounce and stumble across, really, what led you to fitness or science or both? Talk to us a little bit about that. Oh, man. Well, for me, it really started... I think growing up, I am from a big Italian Catholic family where education was a huge priority, as was participation in sports. And so I think, you know, I watched all of my siblings be really, really good at like traditional sports with balls, and I could just really never get it together there. And so in my search for something that I loved, I found competitive cheerleading. Um, and if you're not super familiar with the competitive cheerleading world, it's it's a little strange from the outside looking in, even when I look back at it, but it's sort of this combination of gymnastics and what you might think of to be cheerleading, the stunting, um, all the motions, the dancing, all of that combined. And you actually get to travel all over the place and do these competitions that you practice for like hours on end. So I, I started to really love the way that the practices were set up and to appreciate like how specialized the training had to be to make you um, a really powerful tumbler and uh, really explosive with different, different um, moves that you're doing. And so I kind of started to associate like at that time, okay, this makes a lot of sense how they're making us practice so that we're ready to perform. And I think I carried that into uh, UNC at our experience there where I found out you could major in something called exercise and sports science. And so for me, that was so interesting. Um, I feel like this connection between what the body is doing and the physiology behind that. I mean, a lot of people think that's weird. I love it. And I loved my time there. And for me, you know, when I graduated, I wasn't really sure, do I want to go to physical therapy school and be a practitioner working to help people after they've been injured? Or do I want to be somebody who's more on the preventive side? Do I want to be somebody who's really uh, being a champion for movement and healthy uh, behavior change? And so I felt like my my calling was to actually go the research route, which is what led me to the University of Georgia for my master's, PhD, and postdoc. I was there for 10 years. Isn't that like when I'm like, how is that possible? Um, so much school, so much studying. But I, I really feel like for me, I've always wanted to know why. I like to look beneath the surface. I ask a bajillion questions, which is why Mark and I get along so well. <laughs> and I really feel like, you know, if I can share all the knowledge that I've gained over like so many years of school with people and help them even in the tiniest bit to either have more self-confidence or learn something about their bodies and how movement can really be such an effective treatment for so many chronic conditions, um, then I've done my part. So I think for me, that's why the science, that's why the fitness industry, I truly feel like one of the things 
I've been called to do is to bridge the gap between academia and the industry, because so often there's this lag time from when all the really high quality research actually gets distributed into the industry. There are very few people who have positions in the industry who also have ties to an experience in the academic world. I don't know. It's just something that I feel like is my life's work and I'm just getting started. More power to you on that one. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I do want to call out two things. I, I don't want our listeners to have any misconceptions. Uh, Rachel used the word Tumblr and explosive. Um, you know, I, I am not a good Tumblr. I was never a good Tumblr. And really at this point in my life, the only things that are explosive are the seams on most of my shirts and pants. Uh, but I, I do want to uh, appreciate the work that went into those who were great Tumblrs and explosive and powerful, um, you know, more power to you there. Well, it sounds like we have a little another guest on the podcast today. I did hear Rachel's uh, Yorkie Poo in the background, Roy. So I will preemptively uh, apologize for the background noise, but also say welcome to our first uh, pet <laughs> guest on Box Wine and Biscuits. Welcome, Roy. Um, you know, I do want to pivot just a little bit. Uh, you talked a lot about your love for fitness and science and still said a lot of words that, that I really don't understand. But really, you know, knowing that in this time of year and in a normal year where gyms would be open or people were able to mill about a little bit more, you know, a lot of people commit to resolutions, whether that's joining the gym, being more physically fit, eliminating alcohol, who in the world could do that? Whew. Anyway, you know, talk a little bit about why you think people, and when I say people, I am people uh, like me, you know, really struggle to stay committed to fitness goals, whether that's you know, going to the gym regularly, you know, or eliminating the foods they want to eliminate, whatever that may be, you know, talk a little bit about why you think people struggle to stay committed. And then, you know, if you had to give one piece of advice, what would you give um, to these folks who are really trying to make a change for the better during the month of January? Woo. Well, that is a loaded question. And I believe if I could solve it with a really quick answer, I would be rich by now. <laughs> um, but I think it all comes back to the fact that as humans, our behaviors are really complex. It's impossible to have a one size fits all approach. And I think uh, what we've grown accustomed to with culture today is that we expect things to happen really, really quickly. But in fact, what we know from decades of exercise science and nutrition and public health research is that behavior change, um, if done correctly and sustainably, takes a really long time. And it takes, you know, setting what we call SMART goals. I'm sure you've heard of that acronym before. I feel like it's like so overused in the social media space, but there's actually a lot of science behind it. If you can uh, set these very small, like I call them micro goals. So think about just one or two things that you can change weekly. And then once you start to accomplish those little things every week, it starts to become habitual for you after so, so many weeks. And then you can slowly add an additional additional goal to the plate, right? And and what we know from research is that if you can achieve these micro goals, it can add up to really long-term sustainable, like big changes over time. From what I see, a lot of people have this like all or nothing mentality. Like, okay, you've been physically inactive throughout COVID, totally understandable. It's been a very strange year almost at this point for so many people. You've been physically inactive New Year's resolutions, they're here, they're coming. It's like, okay, I've got to do this and I'm going to be active four times a week. That is so unrealistic for so many people. So I think it's all about 
understanding how human behavior works and taking these like really, really tiny goals uh, to set for yourself over time. There's a researcher, Dr. Angela Duckworth, whom I'm a big fan of, and you may have actually heard of her book, which is called Grit. And she talks about the importance of self-talk when it's and how it's related to meeting these micro goals over time. And I think there's a lot to that. It's all about, um, you know, how you're talking to yourself, even little things like, oh, it's only Thursday instead of like, it's already Thursday. I've made it through such a crazy week. It's already Thursday and tomorrow's Friday, which I'm really looking forward to. It's these little things that you say to yourself throughout the day, even in, in your own mind, that can really make a big difference in how you're approaching meeting those goals and also how you react when you miss a micro goal, right? Because inevitably things come up. We're all human. I mean, I've got a dog scream barking in the background. I've got to pick up my kid from daycare in 30 minutes. There's a lot of things that we're all juggling all the time. And so if you, you know, if you are setting goals that are unattainable or there's not a time associated with them, you're way less likely to achieve them. And then, you know, if you're not achieving them, then you're negatively reinforcing this pattern. And it just becomes too much to bear and can be so mentally challenging that it doesn't seem like it's worth it, right? So I think if I were to have one piece of advice, it's to pick one thing to add into your routine. Don't think about removing something at this point. It's probably too much to even consider. Add one thing, like, you know, make one of your meetings every week a walking meeting. Have a deal with that colleague or coworker. It's a 45-minute meeting. You guys will recap via email later any notes to make sure, you know, you didn't miss anything, but you're going to talk while you're walking. That's, you know, two or three miles of walking that day, and that would be a really positive improvement in your behavior. So it's these like tiny things that you can do that you add in to what you're already doing. And eventually it just kind of becomes second nature for you. So I think that's, you know, if I were to talk to resolutioners, I would say, go you so proud of you for making a freaking goal. That's, you know, acknowledging that you want to change is huge in behavior change theory. But then, you know, make something that's uh, reasonable for you. I like to use a one to 10 scale. So if I'm like, okay, I'm going to work out five times per week for an hour. And then I'm like, on a scale of one to 10, how confident am I that I can do that? Uh, it's a it's a two. There's pretty much no way I can do that right now. I need to adjust that goal until I'm scoring it a seven or higher. That's how I know. It's like a mental self-check. So I think that's a a really quick takeaway that you could, you know, use on yourself too. Awesome. You know, for you, that's a two. For me, that's like a zero. I feel like I'm on, <laughs> I'm on Shark Tank at this point. I'll be like, and for those reasons, I'm out. Um, awesome. No, thank you so much for 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 that advice. Um, you know, I was really relieved to hear you say to add something in because I was really afraid you were going to tell me that I need to take away something like my consumption of wine. But sure, I can add in some water, some walking meetings. So, uh, Thanks so much for, for that piece of advice. You know, we're going to wrap up the, the tough challenges section here um, with just, you know, and and I feel like we could probably talk about this for, for hours or days, but I feel like I have tried every diet in the book from Atkins to the Mediterranean diet to Whole30 to Paleo to intermittent fasting. And y'all, let me be clear, by tried, I mean, I've sampled for a day or two. And for those reasons, I am then out. <laughs> but talk a little bit about how folks should balance diet and fitness in their routine. Ooh, Okay. So, I mean, I think it it all goes back to that behavior change principle and your ability to really figure it out what you want and the means you need to take in which to get there. Now, 
You sound like so many people today. They've tried almost every trick or diet or quick fix in the books. And when we actually take a step back and zoom out and look at all the literature that's supporting or not supporting diets like this, I mean, the thing that they all have in common and the reason people can have um, positive experiences with all of these is that they all rely on caloric deficit in one way or another, whether they're getting to it by restricting whole food groups or whether they are, um, you know, manipulating your macro intake or manipulating your caloric intake, the thing that they all have in common is this uh, caloric deficit principle, right? And so if you are someone who's wanting to lose weight, you have to first understand um, this concept of energy balance. And I'll try to explain it in a way that's not like way too nerdy, but you have two sides. If you imagine like a little tipping scale, on one side, you've got energy intake, which of course is like the food, the beverages, the alcohol, the supplements that you're intaking. And on the other side, you have your energy expenditure, which includes your basal metabolic rate. So how much energy you need to just like do your daily functions. It includes something called thermic effective feeding, which is a really nerdy way to say like how much energy your body needs to metabolize and store and then convert into fuel, all the food and supplements that you're intaking. And then there's physical activity. Okay, so we have like complete control. I mean, of course, there are exceptions like access to food and grocery stores and and income and all of that. But for the most part, a lot of us have full control over what we're consuming. When we think about uh, the variable component of energy expenditure, the only thing that we really have direct control over is physical activity. And that only makes up about five to 20% of our energy expenditure. So if you are somebody who's looking to, lose weight, you're actually going to find better success with manipulating the intake side of that energy balance. And and so it's not to say that exercise isn't important because I'm an exercise physiologist and I freaking love exercise. But what, what the research does show is that if you are in a caloric deficit, okay, meaning you're eating less than what you're expending, exercising while you're doing that can improve your mood, right? Because if you're dieting, you get a little, you know, hangry. Um, it can improve your mood, but more importantly, it, it maintains your your lean mass, so your bone and muscle. And so that's really a really important thing to understand. And so I think it's one, understanding energy balance and how the two interplay. And then two, again, I always go back to this idea of adding or like changing one small thing. Maybe it's water intake. Maybe if you are trying to have a performance goal or a body composition shift goal through exercise, you're learning about and trying out a new pre-workout meal or a post-workout meal that you like, that you enjoy. That's one change because where people often go wrong again is that trying to overhaul everything all at one time. And that just really doesn't work very well for most people who live busy and complicated lives. Shoo. I feel like I need a Google (laughs) I need a dictionary. Those were a lot of words. No, but I, again, I really appreciate it. I hope um, I thank you for for using the uh, scientific appropriate words, but then also breaking it down. You know, for me uh, right now, balancing uh, diet and exercise really means that I am typically balancing a glass of wine en route to find if my Peloton uh, still works. And so with that, you know, I'm going to move into uh, our hot topic section.
All right, folks, we are back with the hot topic section of Box Wine and Biscuits, one of my favorite parts of the podcast. And we are not deviating. We are sticking right with fitness and diet. I'm committed to finishing this podcast. I'm not necessarily committed to finishing uh, a, a workout today, but I'm committed to finishing this podcast talking about fitness and diet. So, you know, with with COVID, there has been an extremely rapid rise, uh, just an avalanche, if you will, of home equipment from everything from adjustable dumbbells to the kind of the rise of Peloton to all the these new, you know, competitors that we've seen from things like Mirror and I, I think Tonal and, and Rachel, you probably obviously know a lot more than me in this space. You know, I do want to preface this by saying this podcast is clearly not endorsed by any one brand. We're certainly open to it for the right price. Peloton, have your people call our people. Uh, with that said, do you have, you know, one piece of equipment or one brand that has really stood out to you in this time or even before this time that uh, you know, that you think listeners should look into if they're looking to change uh, physical activity, as we just talked about. Yeah, you're you're so right, because COVID has forced many companies in the fitness space and in the fitness equipment space to innovate very quickly. So while they may have had digital products or these really innovative technologies like the mirror, tonal, on their roadmaps for 2022, 2023, COVID really forced people to come to the table ready to go. Otherwise, there was no way that they were going to be surviving with a lot of physical gym spaces closed for an extended period of time. I mean, so many uh, places are still closed for almost a year. It's so wild. So you're right. There's been a rise of so many different things. And you know, as somebody putting my like exercise physiology hat on and taking off my OTF hat, I mean, anything that you find that's enjoyable, that helps you get your heart rate up a couple of times per week that you can stick to, go for it. I am going to cheer you on the entire time. I like the Peloton app. I think they have a wide variety of um, talent. I mean, some of their coaches are fantastic. Some leave a little to be desired, just like every brand. But they have a wide variety of workout formats. I mean, I love it. I also love the Nike training club app. Um, I love their voiceover runs. I think it's, you know, their, their coaches are fantastic there. I, I think, you know, again, it, it all comes down to personal preference, what you feel like is accessible to you. And it's also really hard to get equipment right now. So there's a lot of companies, including Orange Theory, who have free or really, really reduced price uh, online offerings that are body weight based only, right? So I think it, it's going to depend on so many different things. But I will tell you, there's a lot more innovation coming within the fitness industry because it has really changed the mindset of consumers. I mean, people will never, in my opinion, expect to only have brick and mortar services. They will always expect some sort of hybrid membership if they are going to rejoin a brick and mortar gym, right? There's always going to now be this expectation of like, I want to be able to do this wherever I am, whether I'm traveling on the road for work, whether I'm in my living room, whether I'm in my mom's basement, like whatever it might be, um, a fitness company should be able to meet you where you are at this point and use the equipment around you, even if it's just your own body to give you a well-rounded experience. And so I think, you know, Definitely, if you're into fitness, keep your eyes peeled because there's a lot of cool stuff coming from so many different brands. I mean, I'm definitely into fitness. I'm into fitness cookies in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> my no, um, you know, I, I, I think that's a really good 
uh, call out there to, to, to just highlight the fact that innovation, uh, while forced in this environment, is absolutely on the roadmap. Um, I, I do think for those of you out there, um, you know, when Rachel noted uh, that there's several opportunities, including at Orange Theory Fitness, to to subscribe to body weight workouts. For some of us, my body weight workout is going to be a very heavy workout. Uh, but I think to her point, it's always good to to keep moving and keep doing your thing. And and uh, I, I even got to take that advice for myself. So thanks. Thanks for talking about that on our hot topics, literally hot and sweaty topics, I guess is what we should have called it today. All right, we're going to wrap today's show with one of my favorite segments, Something Southern, and talk about one of my favorite Southern things. And we're going to talk about a meet and three. For those of you listening who have no idea what a meet and three is, A, please educate yourself, but B, know that you are absolutely missing out. Simply put, a meet and three is a restaurant where you can pick a single meat from a selection of meats. Oftentimes, you're looking at fried chicken, country ham, meatloaf, pork chops, and then you get to pick three sides from options like fried okra, mac and cheese, cream corn, or even jello. You know, now that I've gotten myself sufficiently hungry, just kidding, I stay hungry. Uh, Rachel, I need you to tell us a little bit about your experience with Meat and Three and your go-to order. Oh my gosh. So even though I've lived in the South my whole life, I had never heard of a Meat and Three until I was dating my now husband. And on one of our first dates, he was like, do you want to meet me at this Meat and Three? And I was like, I don't know what that means. Like, what are you talking about? And he was like, a meet and three. And he just like kept repeating it. And I was like, I don't know what that is. Is that like an outback? Is that like a chilies? Like, I don't know what you're talking about. And so he explained to me what it was. And I mean, I have to say I was a little skeptical, but the food is delicious. I mean, all things in moderation. I love the fried okra. Um, I love, oh my gosh, chicken and dumplings. I remember getting I think it's it's such an easy idea. Like almost everyone can find something they like there. Even if you're not a meat person, there's like so many yummy vegetable sides. So I'm totally here for the concept. I think we should have more of them. And I really miss going out to eat actually. COVID has really, <laughs> I haven't been to a meat and three in like a year. No, you're right. You know, I, um, I definitely have, <laughs> have not been able to enjoy a restaurant and, uh, but for me, when we talk about meat and threes, it's absolutely a no-brainer. For meat, I am always and forever choosing the fried chicken if they have it. Uh, if not, you're likely going to see me venture to a country fried chicken or steak. Um, for my sides, it's always, always, always going to be fried okra, mac and cheese, and banana pudding. Now, for those of you who have been listening this entire long journey of the podcast, uh, you might remember I've recently talked about a banana pudding here, and I'm going to talk about it again. I want to make it clear. I only want banana pudding if I am confident that the wafers in that banana pudding are not soggy. I do not want soggy wafers in my banana pudding. So my nose is to the glass of that refrigerator case when we walk into these meat and threes and I'm inspecting when I think that banana pudding was made and how soggy those wafers may be because I do not want soggy wafers in my banana pudding. Absolutely not. But with with that said, I am, again, sufficiently hungry. I wanted to touch on... Uh, a favorite staple of the South. I think if you have not had a meet and three uh, when you can and when you're able, uh, please do so. 
All right, folks, that is episode three of Box Wine and Biscuits. We went a little longer than we normally did today, which uh, if we're talking about fitness, uh, that's kind of something I can't do is do anything for a very long time. But I really want to extend a special thank you to Dr. Rachel Reed for being here with us today, uh, sharing all of her insights, saying all of the words that I can't say, didn't know anything about, probably can never repeat. Um, So thank you, thank you, thank you to Rachel. You know, I want to just encourage you, if you're loving the content, please like, subscribe, follow, tweet. Actually, we don't have Twitter, uh, but you're more than welcome to follow us on Instagram at Box Wine and Biscuits. Uh, please rate and review us on your favorite podcast player. Um, if you have suggestions or feedback or questions, please feel free to email us at info at boxwineatbiscuits.com. Uh, Rachel, any parting words you want to share with the listeners today? Ooh, um, try a meet and three whenever you get the chance when the world opens back up. And then I challenge you to go for a walking meeting next week. Like, just try it. I think you'll like it. There you have it, folks. She is challenging you to a walking meeting. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Box Wine and Biscuits. And I might try and see if we can post a walking meeting next week. I'm not going to make any promises. I'm going to set a micro goal. My micro goal may be different than yours, but see what you can do next week. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to Boxed Wine and Biscuits, the podcast where we explore some of life's toughest challenges and discuss today's hottest topics with a sense of humor and a side of Southern hospitality. Have a topic suggestion or want to be a guest on the show? Email us at info at boxedwineandbiscuits.com. Find us on Instagram at Boxed Wine and Biscuits and come back soon for another episode.